So we are wrapping up this series, Songs That Pierce the Heart, and in this series we've been talking about the fact that all throughout time, all throughout culture, there are songs that kind of just really hit us where we live, you know, and those songs that we know the lyrics to, those songs that impact us. Some of you guys are singing along this morning, some of you guys thought about a certain time in your life when, man, you heard that song and, you know, you were going through a breakup in high school or college and that song carried you through or took you back to a friendship. I had someone come to us after the first service and say that it brought them back to uh, just a closeness with a grandfather that they lost and through tears just telling us how powerful. So, man, this stuff impacts us. It's so powerful. And one of the things we've been seeing is that not only are there great songs that pierce the heart in culture and out there on the radio, but also in the Bible. There are songs that pierce the heart. They're called psalms. And David wrote most of these psalms, although other people wrote some as well. And we've been looking at several psalms as we've been moving through this series and just seeing how real and relatable they are. The things we love about the psalms is that when David talks or these other writers talk, it's just like, man, it feels like they're almost writing right to us or from our experience. And so some beautiful, beautiful words in Scripture. And so today, we're going to wrap up this series by asking maybe three of the most important questions that there are about God. And I hope today to find some encouragement along with you as we look at this. But these are such huge questions because I think some of us maybe are asking them right now, but we all ask them at one point or another. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus today, maybe you're not. And maybe these are the questions going through your mind right now, I don't know. But the first question we're going to look at today is, does God know me? Does he know me? I mean, I know, like, if he's there, he knows my name probably, and he might know a little bit about me, but, but like, does he actually know me to the point that he cares about me? That the things that are going on in my life make a difference to him, that they matter, that I matter to him. Does God know me? Second question we're going to look at today here is, is God with me? Is God with me? Because it's one thing to know what's going on in somebody's life or even know them. It's another thing to go through what they're going through with them. Remember years ago, I was on the prayer team one night after doing three services throughout the day. I was just really tired. And a lady came up, and we prayed with her. And, and I remember her just talking about how she was going through some extremely difficult stuff. And we, we prayed, and, and it was. It was, like, really tough what she was going through. And I remember the very, the very next week coming back, and, and kind of the same scenario, except this week I wasn't on the prayer team. I was just tired. And I was walking out at the end of the service, and I, I sat on the info desk. You know that info desk? I always told everybody not to sit on. Yeah, I was sitting on that one at the old building. And this lady walked out of the auditorium into the lobby, and she was on her way out the door. And I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I just felt God nudge me, like, you should go ask her how she's doing after what she shared with you guys on the prayer team last week. And I just was tired, and I didn't, and I kind of just ignored it. And I remember her walking out to the lobby, and... I just sat on the info desk and waved. And I saw a look of disappointment instantly come over her. She walked out and I never saw her again. You know why? Because I knew what was going on with her, but I didn't walk through with her. You know what I mean? We've all had those times where someone has known what was going on in our lives, but they didn't reach out to go through it with us. Is that what God's like? Does God just sort of wave from heaven, you know? Or does he go through it with us? Is he with me? And the third question that we're going to talk about today is, does God have me? Does he have me? With all the things going on in my life, is he able to carry the weight of what I go through? Does he have me in my personal situations? Is he strong enough to catch me if I leap, so to speak? Remember when you were a kid, some of you kids here in the room, you loved to climb trees? I was a kid, I used to love to climb trees. I got scars all over my body from falling out of trees and all kinds of crazy things as a kid. And I remember the question that my dad or my uncle or my grandpa would ask me when I was up on the tree, right? What would they say? They'd come over and go, want to jump? 
right? Now, my dad's six foot eight, so he was closer to the tree than most dads were, you know? Like, most dads are reaching up to their son. My dad would actually bend down to get me out of the tree, you know? <laughs> Big dude. But, but that question is important, right? Jump, jump, you want to jump? And you'd go, what? Got me? You're going to catch me? You have me? Right? And I think we think the same thing about God. Some of us today, we feel God sensing us to jump, so to speak, to, to take a leap of faith maybe. And I think the question comes back, but do you have what it takes to catch me on the other side? Are you going to support me? Do you have the power and ability to sustain me through all that I go through? So does God know you? Is he with you? And does he have you? That's what we're going to look at here today. And this is so important because if the answer to any of those three questions is no, then what are we all doing here today? Right? Why are we in church on a Sunday if God doesn't know us, doesn't care about us, if he doesn't have the power to walk through our situations with us or the strength to carry us? What are we all doing here? We're wasting our time, right? And so we're going to walk through these questions that I think many of us ask. And I know this about you too. I know that many of us know the theological answers to these questions. Like you could open up your Bible and show me the answers to these questions. But it was C.S. Lewis who said something like this. It's the job of every pastor to bring us back to those truths we so quickly run away from, right? So some of us know in our heads the answers to the questions. But, man, it's another thing to know it in our hearts and in our experience. And so today I hope that we'll kind of come around this, not just from a knowledge level, but actually an experiential level. And so we're going to check out Psalm 139 today. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, I hope you'll lean on in because these are some questions that are huge if you're trying to figure out if you want to follow God or not, right? And so in Psalm 139, David answers these questions. And as we work through them, what we're going to see is that David has intense experience in all these different things. I mean, David had some high highs, but he had some really low lows. He had some horrible, horrible days, and we've talked about some of that. In fact, we're only going to go up to verse 18 in Psalm 139, not because we don't want to finish the psalm or we don't have time, but just because we've already talked about two of the themes that David brings up in the end. And as we work our way through the psalm, we're going to see, man, David has some answers coming from some places where he could have really struggled with all these different questions, just like you and I probably do sometimes as well. And so, does God know you? Is he with you? And does he have you? And so we're going to look at Psalm 139, verse 1, says this, you have searched me, O Lord. And look at this, right off the bat, David says, you know me. You know me, God. And so if you're here today, I just want you to know, God knows you. Now we're going to see how much he knows you in just a minute, but that's so important, you know, because it's, it's one thing to have an acquaintance. It's one thing to kind of be introduced to somebody. It's another thing to be known by somebody. My kids ask me all the time, like, hey, Dad, you ever met anybody famous? And I'll, you know, list a few musicians I met back in the day or whatever, or random. I remember as a kid, I met some of the Mets, Mookie Wilson. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, that was really cool. I met Stephen Matz from the Mets a few, a few years ago. That was great. I actually said one of the stupidest things I could have said to him was the day after they, they lost the World Series. I met him in a deli in Stony Brook, and and I walked up to him, I said, are you Stephen Matz? He was like, yeah. And, and I was like, great series, man. <laughs> great, yeah. We just lost the whole thing, man. Thanks so much. Good job. Great. So I'm very wise. But I've, I've met some, some people, you know. But after I list off the people that I've met and I think I'm impressing my children, they ask me another question. You think they'd remember you? No, absolutely not, right? They're not going to remember me. So it's one thing to have met someone. It's one thing to have an acquaintance. It's one thing to even know who they are. It's another thing to be known, right? 
And so some of you walk in the door today maybe saying, God's kind of an acquaintance, or at very best an acquaintance, but what would it be like to be known by God? I don't know about you guys, sometimes I feel lonely in this world, right? I mean, we live in this world where there is so much going on, we're almost always surrounded by people, we've got 7,000 followers on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff, but man, I think we're like some of the loneliest people who ever lived. Isn't it amazing to know you are known by God? If nobody else knows you, at least you're known by God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you were like, I don't know what this means. What does this look like to be known by God? I didn't even know God was interested. Well, we're going to look at this a little bit further and discover how known we are by God. Look at this. Look how well God knows you. This is not just a general knowledge of you, that you exist. Look at this, verse 2. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You ever had a tough conversation with God that goes like this? God, are you even paying attention? Do you hear me? Are you deaf? Are you blind to what I'm going through right now? you have any idea what's going on in my life? David would say, oh, yes. And David would say, I've asked all those questions. I just want you to know. He gets it, and yes, he knows. In fact, he knows to the most minute details. And David uses a figure of speech in these verses called merisms. And merisms are when the writer gives you a starting point and an ending point, like when I sit up and when I sit down, right? And David is not saying that God only knows when we sit and we stand, but everything that happens between our sitting and our standing. And so David here says, hey, you know what? God knows when you sit and when you rise and everything in between. So if you're wondering if he's paying attention, yes, his eye is on you. He's with you. David says, God knows our thoughts from afar. And this could be a little bit confusing. It's kind of like, well, does this mean God's not close to me? If he knows my thoughts from afar, does that mean he's far away from me? Now, this is so cool. You ready? David is not talking about space. He's talking about time here. What do I mean by that? David is not saying God knows our thoughts from afar because he's so far away from us. No, he's saying David knows our thoughts when they're far off from us when it comes to when we're going to have the thought. So like the thought you're going to have tomorrow, the thought you're going to have next week, the thought you're going to have next year, when they're that afar from you, God already knows what that thought will be. This is a close God. This is a God who knows us well. This is a God who knows us better than we know ourselves. Then he goes on. You know my going out and my lying down. This is another merism. So we got a starting point and an ending point. David's not saying, you know when I wake up and you know when I come back and go to bed. No, my whole day, Lord, you know it. And you're watching and you see what's happening. You're familiar with all my ways, David said. You're familiar with all my ways. So even my, my annoying quirks, like the fact that I won't eat seafood because of the texture, or the fact that I have to put my shoes on to go to the bathroom, even in my own house, like even those little annoying psychotic quirks that I have, uh, God still knows and loves me through them, and he does the same for you. He knows what we're going to say even before we say it, right? You know somebody that well, maybe a spouse or a parent or a friend, Man, they know you, like, before you even think the thought, they say it. My, my wife and I always freak out our kids with this. We're, like, finishing each other's sentences. This is what happens when you meet in fourth grade, you know? We didn't get married then. We waited a little while. But, but, I mean, man, I mean, just, like, that's God times a billion. He totally gets you. He knows you. Not just in a general way, but he knows you. The truth is God knows everything, right? The theological term for this is that God is omniscient right? That's kind of the big word. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And that is absolutely true. But what I want you to see 
Much more than the fact that God knows everything, because it kind of feels impersonal, is the fact that he knows all those things we just read through about you. Every single one of us keeps track of all those things and all those details. Isn't it amazing that we are known by God? Isn't it amazing that God can say to that first question, yes, I know you, and I care. not deaf, and I'm not blind. I see what you're going through, and I hear what you're saying. And it goes on in verse 5. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Now, that's kind of a fancy way, that first phrase, you hem me in. It basically means he is all around us. That he's, he's all in, and with us in every place that we go. And so question number two, God, are you with me? Yes, he's with you. But, but I don't just want you to see that he's with you. I want you to see how he's with you, right? Because it's one thing to know God is everywhere and he's, and he's with us everywhere we go. But it's another thing to see how he treats us. Because I love this verse. It says, you lay your hand upon me. Yesterday, I was at my daughter's basketball game, and she's killing it out there on the court. She's dunking. No, not quite yet, but I wish. So someday, right? But she's out there killing it, you know? And I'm sitting with my son next to me, my older son, my younger son, and my wife are in front of me. Actually, reverse that, but it doesn't really matter. And so we're sitting there, and at different points during the game, I have my hand on my son, and then I have my hand on my other son, and I have my hand on my wife, and it's just closeness, that nearness. I'm here. I love you, and we're together. And, and I love that this verse says God is close enough to us and with us enough to lay his hand upon us. Have you ever felt the hand of God on you? Some of us have felt almost like a physical presence. Some of us would say, nah, I don't know about a physical presence, but, but man, I've heard some pretty amazing stories in my life. There was a guy named Bobby Petroselli who was a pastor on Long Island years ago, and he went through something horrible when he was young. He was newly married. He woke up one night, and there was a truck in his bedroom. A truck had plowed through his house, killed his wife, and there he was waking up in his bedroom in shock and in tons of pain. And Bobby, loving God, being a, a, a guy who was going to continue to pursue Jesus, and he, he, he went to the cemetery one day with his Bible in his hand, and he's like, I got to go you know, visit her grave, but I'm going to bring my Bible because I need Jesus. I need him so badly right now. And there he was, there he was in the cemetery and as he's just thinking and praying through all this emotion and all this pain, he got so angry at God that he just threw his Bible across the cemetery, fell to the ground, and just began weeping. And as he was there, he said, I felt someone come behind me and wrap their arms around me. He said, I felt embarrassed because clearly somebody was visiting a graveside next to my wife's or somewhere nearby and felt pity for me and just came and held me. And he said, but when I opened my arms, when I opened my eyes rather, there was no one there. But I just still felt this, this hug. Because that had been the hug of God on that man as he was going through a great time of suffering. I've, I've talked with people who have been in hospitals and they've been going through times of great pain or great anxiety or fear or depression and, and they felt a hand on them when they're all alone. Could that be the hand of God? But some of us feel God not in a physical way necessarily, but sometimes we feel the peace of God in the midst of difficulty. Sometimes we feel the hope of God or the love of God. I had a friend in college who used to say that the first time he really felt like God made himself real to him, he just felt such tremendous love that he just began to weep. And this is the close God that we serve. This is the hand of God that's laid out on your life and my life. As we go through our difficulties and as we go through our hardships, is God or does he just stay in heaven and wave? Now he's with us. He walks with us through the ups and the downs and through all the pain that we've gone through. 
Then David kind of has his mind blown here. He says in verse 6, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. So he's thinking about the fact that God knows everything and is everywhere, and he's saying, this is like blowing my mind. And some of us here in the room might say that as well. Like, I don't know if I can buy this stuff, Doug. You know, it seems kind of strange. And you're talking about this God who is everywhere and knows everything. And, and I always tell, in fact, I said to my kids yesterday, I say this to you guys once in a while too, it is such good news that we don't always have the ability to wrap our minds around everything about God, right? I mean, we should be able to wrap our minds around some things about God. We should be able to understand the truth of Jesus' death and resurrection, and that that's a historical event. We should be able to wrap our minds around that. But there should be some things, like God being everywhere and knowing everything, that should blow our minds. That's a good thing that we can't wrap our minds around, right? We want to be in awe at this, you know? I can guarantee something. None of you guys are going to drive to Yankee Stadium or City Field to watch me play baseball, right? Like, no one's going to come. Like, oh, I'm playing shortstop for the, for the Mets this year. Like, no one's coming, right? You guys are not coming. Why? Because you can wrap your mind around what I'm going to do. It's called striking out and failing, right? You want to go see Cespedes and Stanton and Judge hit a ball into the next zip code. That's what you want to do. Because you want to sit there and go, I can't wrap my mind around how these people do what they do. Something about awe. And that's what we get to enjoy about God today. Maybe we can't wrap our minds around every single way this all works, but we get to sit back and go, wow, what a huge God. He knows me, and he's with me. How powerful is that? Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. What's David saying? You're everywhere, God. The theological word for this is omnipresent. He's everywhere. But I don't want you to just know that God is everywhere. I want you to know he's with you, with his loving hand on you, there to walk with you and hold you and guide you. Ever felt alone in this lonely world? God is with you. Then he goes on, and this is going to sound bad at first. It's going to sound something we're maybe a little bit afraid of at first, but It's actually great news. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So here's David saying, sometimes we think we're hiding from God. We think it's nice and dark and we can do what we want in our little corner and God won't see it. But David is saying, even the dark is light to you. So even when I'm running from you and hiding from you and I'm trying to get away as far as possible from you, God, you still see because you know everything and you're everywhere, what I'm doing. And that might seem like bad news, but it's actually great news that God is everywhere and sees through it all. I've told some of you guys this story in the past, but I usually leave off the ending because it kind of ruins the rest of the story. When my sister was in like 11th grade, she got asked to go to the prom with a guy she didn't really want to go to, but she was too sweet to say no. So me and my buddies, I was in you know, older brother protection mode, we decided we're going to make sure nothing this guy doesn't try anything, doesn't try to even kiss her or hold her hand at the end of the night, you know? So we got some high-powered spotlights, we got a fog machine, we got an amplifier, and we went up on my roof. And as my sister pulled into the driveway with this guy, we hit the high-powered spotlights, and the whole neighborhood was fogged out, and I set up with the microphone, step away from the girl, right? So we weren't messing around here, okay? Now the part of the story that I leave out, because it kind of kills the rest of it, is that when they drove down the street, we're up on the roof like this, and they could all see us. And so literally the guy driving the car rolled down his window was like, we can see you. You know, it kind of kills the story, right? <laughs> we're up there thinking we're like, 
completely blending in because it's dark and we got fog everywhere. And some of us think God can't see us right now. We think we're okay. We're under cover of darkness. We're in the night and he doesn't know what we're doing. It might be a scary thought at first to realize he does know and he does see. But it's actually a great thought. You know why? Because if you've been in your sin long enough, you know you want out. And some of us don't know how to get out. If you've been in that dark corner hiding long enough, I've been there. Eventually, though sin is fun for a little while, eventually you start to go, okay, I'm, just, I'm sick of this. I'm done with the consequences. I'm done with the pain of this. I'm done with the separation from God. i got to get out of here. And so it is great news that God sees everything and knows everything. Because then in those moments, we can say, all right, I'm ready. I give. Help me, God. Rescue me out of this. And his hand is there to do just that for you and for me. He's with you. Verse 13. I'm going to answer the next question. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. As I read through that, I don't know about you, I see an all-powerful God. A God who can recreate life. You know anybody who could do that? I don't. A God who not only creates life, but creates such intricacies in our bodies and, and then ordains all the days of our life and holds us through life and carries us through life. Man, that is an all-powerful God. The fancy word, the theological word for that is omnipotent or omnipotent. And this is the kind of God that is standing like this going, jump. God, you have me? If I jump, you got me? You're going to catch me? I'm going to be okay? You're strong enough? God says, come. Jump. I have you. I have you. God holds you. He's with you. Created you. Do you know how amazingly you are made? Do you know that your, your heart beats about 115,000 times a day? And I don't think about that. Like, I don't sit there going, beat, 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 right? We don't do that, right? Do you know that you take 50,000 breaths a day? Do you know that your eyes blink 19,000 times a day? There were some scientists who, who wanted to try to simulate how our brains work. And so they took some computers and got some processors together. It took them 83,000 processors and it took those 83,000 processors 40 minutes to compute one second of human brain stimulation. It's close as they can get. This is the powerful God saying, jump to you and me. This is the powerful God saying, come to me. I can be trusted. Yes, I have you. I love that the scripture tells us, David says, you've written the story of my life. You've ordained the, day, the, the days of my life. You know why that's such great news that this powerful God, this all-powerful God has done this for us? is because you and I often wish that life had an undo button, right? If I could just undo the last six months, if I could undo the last year, if I could undo the last week. But you know what this amazing God does? Though there's sometimes consequences to the things that we do and the decisions we make, we have a God who makes good out of all of that. He's that big, he's that powerful that he can take all the bad and still bring good out of it. This is this amazing God who has us. And it goes on, verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. So David, again, just having his mind blown. This goes back to, to God being all-knowing, that God has these thoughts that we couldn't even count. His thoughts are innumerable or immeasurable, right? 
And I love the fact that we have some of God's thoughts written in our Bible. And so if you want to know how God thinks, open up his word and he'll tell you that sin breaks everything. He'll tell you, he'll tell you that we needed a savior so Jesus came to rescue us and we can never save ourselves. He'll tell you what he thinks about marriage and love and relationships and parenting and finances and all that stuff. God's thoughts. But David says, okay, while we have that, man, how vast are the actual thoughts of God. How big, how that should blow our minds. And then he goes on. He says, when I wake, I'm still with you. Which goes back to God always being with us wherever we go. When I wake, I'm still with you. David said somewhere else, I lie down, I sleep. I awake for you sustain me. And so God is with us every waking moment and he sees all that we do and he knows all that we go through and he walks with us through all these different aspects of our lives. So God is omniscient. He knows everything. And God is omnipresent. He is everywhere and God is omnipotent or omnipotent and is all powerful. But more than that general zoomed out sense today, I need you to know that he knows you. You're rising, you're sitting, your thoughts. The words are going to come out of your mouth before they ever come out. And he's with you, his loving hand laid on you as you go through your ups and downs. And he's all-powerful, strong enough to carry you and me through the most difficult seasons of our lives. So if I could sum up Psalm 139 in just nine words, it would be like this. God knows you, he's with you, he has you. I hope that those nine words stick with you this week. God knows you. He is with you and he has you. Can I ask you a question? Maybe because you forgot God knows you and everything about you and everything around you, maybe you forgot to bring him some things recently. And you've been, instead of allowing him, the all-knowing God, to figure everything out for you, you've been trying to do it. Do you guys remember if you were here last week that I used an illustration about how God provided this place Man, nine weeks to go, God gave us this portable space. How amazing, right? So then this morning, as I'm getting ready to come here, shaving my head, you needed that detail, I know that, yeah. So that's going to keep some of you up at night tonight. Ugh. So while I'm doing that, you know what thoughts are running through my head? Oh man, we got to get a permanent space. Oh man, we got to find, how, how are we going to, what's it going to, where, Right? Doug, you just got on the stage last week and talked about how I knew exactly the school was going to pan out, everything was going to work out great, it was going to be, and here you are freaking out about the next spot. Really? So what do you have? What, what have you been hanging on to that you need to bring to him? Because he knows everything. What do you have that you need to bring to him? Remembering he's with you. He walks with you. He doesn't just know what you're going through. He, he goes through it with you. What do you need to bring to him? And what do you need to bring to him? Because he's strong enough to carry it. See, that's the funny thing about you and I. We think we're so strong, and so we carry all this stuff, and we, we're convinced that we're going to you know, be the best option for working all this out. And God's just going, bring it to me. Bring it to me. I've got you. I have you. Jump. You can trust me. And so what we need to bring to him. If you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're like, all right, I hear all this, but, but what is it? What, like, where's the real proof that, that this is all true? I mean, like, how do I know that this can be trusted? Well, I just want you to think for a second about the truth that God knows you and me so well and he knew we were stuck in our sin. And God was with us so much 
that Jesus literally put on human flesh to come and to die in our place and to rescue us. And God is so able and has us and is so powerful that he beat death and hell and rose back from the dead. And so you see right there that God knows you. He's with you and he has you. Even right down to you're in my need for salvation and redemption. And so if you want to put your trust in Jesus today, then I would encourage you to do that in just a minute. I'll lead you in a little prayer if you'd like to begin a conversation with God. But I just hope we're all encouraged today to come back to these truths we tend to run from, like C.S. Lewis said. And we revisit these realities. And man, these realities should change everything for us. They should impact our week this week. Don't let this just be, okay, cool, I was in church for a half hour and the guy talked and now I know that. Or I'm reminded of what I already knew. No, let this be, okay, how does this change my life? What can I bring to God? Because I know he knows me, he's with me, and he has me. Let's pray. God, help us and, and be with us as we continue to try to navigate life and its ups and its downs, good days, bad days, days to laugh, days to cry. God, we thank you that you know all that, you're with us through all that, and you have the power to carry us through all that. So help us. If you're a follower of Jesus, what do you need to bring to him today? What's going on that you've been hanging on to that now that you've been reminded or maybe you heard for the first time that he knows you, he's with you, and he has you, that these are things that need to be handed over to him now. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, you want to put your trust in him, I would just encourage you to pray quietly like this. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you that you know me well enough to know I needed a Savior. Thank you that you're with me enough to, to come to earth and not just wave from heaven, to come, to be flesh, to die in my place. And I thank you that you're powerful enough and you have me enough, Lord, to rise back from the dead, securing my salvation, that I can never earn myself. God, show me how real you are and draw me to you. In your name I pray.